Oh, a storm is threatening my very life today. If I don't get some shelter, oh yeah, I'm going to fade away. War, children, it's just a shot away. It's just a shot away. War, children, it's just a shot away. It's just a shot away. That's a song called Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones from the 1969 album, Let It Bleed. Uh, Mr. Thurman chose those lyrics, and sir, the floor is yours. First of all, Sean, it's nice to be here with you again, my captain. Oh, captain, my captain. Um, those lyrics, you and I spoke last week. I like I like to be eclectic with the music and with a lot of things just to move around. But my home base is is certainly, you know, the Rolling Stones. Uh, for me, I cannot pick a favorite song by the Stones because I was I was like, OK, I'm going to go to the Stones. But where do I start? I'll start with your favorite song, Joey. Wait a minute. That's like it's like asking someone with with 12 kids. Who's your favorite kid? Uh, the thing of it is, I have probably an A list, a B list and a C list. I love all of them, but a list probably has 30 songs. B list probably has about 20 songs and C list probably, you know, whatever. So out of that, a list of 30 songs or so, um, I just said to myself, okay, you know what, Joe, there's things going on in in the news right now. Plus uh, my ringtone, the beginning of this song, give me shelter is my ringtone. It's been my ringtone for, for the longest time. So I figured, okay, whether you realize it or not, it's probably the one. So uh, I love the Rolling Stones. I think they've been together forever. The best front man in the business, legendary. Uh, All my life, I've listened to them. I mean, I can go three, four months without even playing them, whatever, because I listen to a lot of stuff. But it's always so neat to go back in and, and listen to them. And, and when I hear something, you know, I just I can go half crazy when I hear something. Anyway, I think what provoked me, you and I talking about, um, you know, music lately and you telling me, you know, it's OK to go to this back to the stones if you want. You know, so I did. And I think the reason why, in addition to the other reason I just gave you, uh, these jokers over in Korea and in Russia and China and what we're what we're, our, our involvement over here and the, the state of affairs in the world today, it's got me on edge. It's got a lot of people on edge. And when I hear, you know, war, it's just a shot away. And these lyrics were written, I mean, in the Vietnam era and so forth, but they're applicable right, right about now, too. So I guess all of that um, put together, uh, I pulled the trigger on Gimme Shelter, uh, but um, the band... Um, probably, probably the best rock and roll band. I think the word best is relative, but, you know, and subjective, but uh, it's safe to say the best damn rock and roll band in the world and a song that's like no other. It's over 50 years old. And people still go nuts when they, when they hear it. So and uh, all those things, go ahead. All those um, things. They say it's just a shot away, but then they end the song saying it's just a kiss away. It's just a kiss away. Mm-hmm. Um so why do you think they, they switch? For, like, what's your interpretation of switching from the shot to the kiss? Well, I, he said war. He's war children. It's just a shot away. Then he's turned around and said, love, sister. Love, sister. It's just a kiss away. So he changed it from, you know, from war. It's just a shot away. Well, love's only a kiss away. Why he did that, I don't know. But it makes it makes sense. I mean, if he kept war in place and then put kiss, that'd be a little weird. But uh uh, when he says kiss, it's it's uh, it's with respect to 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 love. 
because he says love sister it's just a kiss away and maybe it's compare and contrast war and love i don't know Uh, i i don't have that much insight um but um interesting stuff and a great just a just a great song and and not only that there's some history to be made there too in the two two minutes and 45 seconds into that song um there's a young lady uh, that that comes in um and her name i can't remember her last name is clayton murray murray like merry christmas murray clayton african-american woman um, great voice. She did a lot of stuff for other artists. If you look her up, she's been like a backup and an associate. Um, you know, uh, she was actually uh, she was born on Christmas. Just a little fun fact about Mary Clayton. Maybe hence the name. Seeing that that I didn't know, um, you learn something new every day. But two minutes and forty five seconds into this song, they let her do a solo. And the night that she did this solo in the studio, it was it wasn't scheduled. It was late at night, and they called her like at one thirty in the morning, and they said, "Look, we're going to give you this much money. Please just get in here right now. We have the studio." So she came in in her hair and curler. She was four months pregnant. But she came in, it was a rainy night. She came in because it's the Rolling Stones. And plus they were throwing her all kinds of, of you know, a cash. Um, so she came in there and she hit this note and her voice cracked. Because she said it was cold in there. She was tired. She was pregnant. And her voice cracked. And she goes, well, I can do it again. And they said, whoa, 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 whoa. You, 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 you don't want to do it again. They said, this is awesome. It's because the way she, her voice cracked, there was so much emotion and so much effort at the top of that thing that when it cracked, it cracked gracefully and it will forever be there. Now there's a mistake that's like locked in because she said, I'll do it again. They said, no, no, don't. It's like that, like an art artistic masterpiece with a flaw. So there's, there's some history there too. Two minutes and 45 seconds in, she does this solo and the solo she does is I just, I still get goosebumps. You know, I still get goosebumps. So a little bit of history there too. A little fun fact. Absolutely. Um, And I think Martin Scorsese, the famous film director, he's probably a big fan of the Rolling Stones because he's used uh, (laughs) the song, Give Me Shelter and Goodfellas and The Departed. Yeah, he he is. He is. But uh, much respect. Much. He knows he knows good stuff when he hears it, man. You know, so and you know, not the only band I'm not, you know, exclusive to. But if you, if I had to pick pick one band, you know, that's it. But uh, like I said, you know me, I'm eclectic. But th- these these guys are just these guys are just on on a whole different level. And they span five decades, my bro. And they're still together. I mean, yeah, lost Charlie yeah. Watts last year, but, you know. Something cool is uh, their 2012 50 anniversary tour, uh, 50th anniversary tour. Uh, they sang the song with Mary J. Blige, Florence Welch. I know Florence Welch. She's from Florence and the Machine, if people don't know her, who she is. They're a really good band. Um, and Lady Gaga. So it's pretty cool. There's like a, a special performance of the song with these th- three great female artists. I think they've done that song with so many people. It's not funny. I think the young lady from the Black Eyed Peas was 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 did it with 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 uh, jagger one time i think so many people have stepped in because it's a legendary song you go at any rock artist anybody and say you know do you know that that song they're gonna say what do i know that song yeah you know that kind of thing so um it is what it is absolutely man uh speaking of music um i bought bruce springsteen tickets today um he's, he's on tour right now but 
it was only supposed to be like an arena tour from what I understood. I didn't, I didn't know he was going to be transitioning to uh, stadiums when he got back. Cause he's going to Europe. He's doing America arenas. Then Bruce is going to Europe. Uh, and then they added two shows to MetLife stadium and also two shows to uh citizens bank ballpark where the Phillies play. And I got, I, I entered a list to get on the verified Ticketmaster. You know, you could buy tickets before people, other people can. And they said I can buy for August 30th. So I, Got up this morning and at 10 in the morning, I put my code in. I got they texted me the code and I just missed out. I, I thought I was going to get uh floor seats, um, standing general admission standing room right near the stage in the pit, they call it, but I missed out on those. Um, but I did get I got floor seats and I bought like you know, I bought some other tickets and I'm thinking about flipping them. So my ticket to Bruce will be free. So I'll just kind of have a nice thing going on with that, but that might not happen because. There was such high demand. They probably knew this before, obviously, because they had the, you know, they have to schedule playing at that venue, but they added a third show on September 3rd. So there's a show on August 30th, September 1st, and September 3rd. They added a third show. Um, so you know, that kind of messed up my plans to flip the tickets quickly that I, the extra ones I bought to pay for the one that I bought, because I bought a nice ticket on right on the floor with a seat, but I'll be standing the whole time. But I haven't seen Bruce since 2009. Um 2009, 2008 or 2009. I think it was 2008. I saw him at MetLife Stadium with some fraternity brothers. I've also seen him at Madison Square Garden. My friend dad had box seats. But both times I saw him, the one time at the garden, I was wasted. Me and my friend were drinking beer the whole night. And also the box is kind of far away from the stage. So we we're like half paying attention. Right. <laughs> and then we saw him at MetLife Stadium. And I was just, you know, I was pretty drunk that night too. I was in college, remember, but right. I was like tripping over the seats and everything. And, you know, you know, as far we had we had real nosebleeds. So this time it's going to be a proper Bruce experience. I'll be pretty close to the stage. Uh, I'll be right in the football field. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty pumped up about that. But I'm just kind of disappointed that they they couldn't have told people before. They could have said, like, you know, listen, we're doing three shows. And now we're talking about adding a fourth show because he doesn't have another show till September 7th. You know, he's playing the 30th, the, the 1st, and the 3rd. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they add a fourth show. So it's good for people for ticket prices and I'm just complaining as a person who wanted to like, you know, strategically go to a Bruce concert for free, you know, by, cause I, you know, I was able to buy tickets. I laid out over a thousand bucks for all the tickets and then I can, you know, sell my extra tickets and then it pays for my ticket. So it's kind of cool. I did that with Paramore. Paramore is another great band. I love um, Haley Williams is the singer. I'm seeing them at Madison square garden on Memorial day um, in New York city. But um, I was able to like buy a couple extras and I sold them and then, you know, and then I got a free ticket basically to see Paramore. So um, anyway, that's something that happened today. Um, but I'm pretty if, pumped, man. If I wasn't going to be in Michigan, I might mess around and go with you to Bruce, but I'm going to yeah, be. When are you going to Michigan? Labor Day or yeah, Labor Day weekend. Yeah, yes. it's right around that time. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be. Didn't you just go last year too? Yeah, last year. Was it like, is well, that like went... a is that like a yearly thing you do? Like you go to Michigan? It's sort of, it's sort of yes and no. It's, it's it, it, not every single year, but it's, it's not uncommon for me to be out there in late August and so forth. Now, last year there was a wedding going on and then a drag race that my brother and I wanted to get to right after the wedding. So that was kind of, um, but um, there's some camping going on up by Lake Michigan and Labor Day weekend is a good, you know, and um, so many a year. And I just found out from my sister like a week ago. She's like, "You're going, right?" I'm like, "Oh, okay, all right, all right. yeah, why not? What the hell?" Because um, it's always, it's always, you know, Lake Michigan is just, it's, 
it's just tremendous. It's all drivable, right? Like when you go there, you drive. Yeah, I do. I, I, I drive out to Indianapolis where they live and then we all go up. So I drive out to Indianapolis. It's, it's like a, a 10 and a half hour shot from, from our area here. And whether we go right away or the next day, or if I'm there for a couple of days from where they live, it's probably about a, depending on how high up in Michigan you want to go, you know, it can be anywhere from three hours to eight hours. So, you know, it depends on, you know, our trip is going to be, you know, it's going to be somewhere in between. So yeah, um, yeah it's all good. It's all good, man. How far is where you go in Michigan from Detroit? Cause I I've been to Detroit twice for uh Villanova basketball. We drove once I took a bus there from 2008, then my friend and I drove in 2009 for the final four. Okay. Well, uh, I'll show you drivable Detroit. Now, it's this, put your, put your left hand up. And so you're looking at the back of your hand, right? So your thumb thumb where your knuckle of your thumb is is kind of michigan is kind of detroit we're way over by the pinky you know by halfway either halfway up to all the way up your pinky is traverse city so we're about halfway you know somewhere halfway up um so we're on the other side of the state you know we're on the lake michigan side you're on detroit which is the lake you're on side um i prefer where we're going you know I prefer where we're going which is the lake michigan side the pinky side but michigan is shaped like a left mitten you know, so yeah. just to give you some indication. Yep. Um, did you hear there's going to be a blizzard in Southern California? I don't know. I know that we have had uh, all winter long. I told you, I was telling you, we don't even have winter anymore, really. We haven't had any snow to speak of. And they're, they're, they're getting it in California. I saw a little bit on the news last night where people are shoveling snow out there and they don't know what the hell to do. So, so does that like people always talk about global warming. Now we're going to talk about global warming this episode, but when you see like, you know, it's snowing in like places like Cal Southern California, is it one of those things where you're like, okay, maybe global warming is not happening as soon as we think, or is it just like, okay, that's normal cyclical weather. Well, the, 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 I, I'm a firm believer and I, I believe that 99% of the scientists, I'm sure you can get 1% of any, any, any profession to say anything you want. Okay. But 99% of the scientists believe that the earth is warming and it's affecting our, our, you know, our weather and so forth. Now, um, th the planet is so volatile that we're not talking about, oh, yeah, it's 10 degrees hotter than it used to be or in the winter right now. It, it, it's so volatile that a degree here or there is really, really significant. When you look at the ice caps melting and so forth and so on, and we have to pay attention to this stuff. So um, I believe that global warming is absolutely real. And I believe that we, we need to be cognizant of it and we need to be more proactive if we have any kind of consideration whatsoever for generations to come. So yeah. that's my opinion. It says, uh, so Los Angeles, uh, the mountains around the Los Angeles, heavy snow, it drenched the coast with heavy rain, shut down a lot of major highways and even dusted the Hollywood Hills for the first time in decades. I guess first time in decades, the Hollywood Hills have been dusted with some snow. Mm-hmm. Our uh, weather's being thrown out of whack. Definitely. Yeah, I remember my first, when I first heard about global warming, really, I was at, I was at a uh, freshman year at a school called Drew university. I played soccer there for a year, a small D three school in uh, New Jersey before I transferred to Villanova. Um, but Al Gore visited and he had this movie called an inconvenient truth all about like global warming. Mm -hmm. um, so I saw Al Gore, like I basically saw him, like it was basically the, it was basically the movie, but it was him in person speaking. And then I walked out of there. I was like, oh, man, this is crazy, you know, because he was so convincing. Um, 
So yeah, that was my first, that was around like 2005 or 2000, 2000, I think it was around 2006, the spring of 2006, I saw Al Gore speak in person, but yeah, it was pretty cool to see like the former vice president, almost president talk in person. Then he's talking about this really important issue. I'm like, you know, what the hell's going on? But yeah, well, it's certain we should definitely be aware of it, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I just wonder like what exactly like can everyday citizens do to like prevent like the, you know what I mean? Like what can we do to like slow global warming? If it, if it truly is that dangerous, like what can we be doing? Do you know, like is there anything we can do? We can vote for people who are going to um, move along some legislation that's going to help us globally. The first thing we have to do is accept the, the fact that it, that it's real and because it, it not to ignore it or or shun it or make fun of it uh, pretend that it's some kind of a wacky notion because it, it hurts our immediate pocketbook right away because it's inconvenient right um, we have to accept the fact that it's real listen to the scientists and then make little sacrifices if we all make little sacrifices you know and listen and be be willing to participate uh, and do and you know and you know do the things that they suggest we do um, you know, I, I, Sean, it makes sense. I mean, if, if you really think about the planet and you think about all the way up, all the the, the, the thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands, millions are just really, but I mean, as far as humans being on it, uh, it wasn't up until the Industrial Revolution that we had to start worrying about things being emitted into the air, right? Because of the, yeah. the machinery and so forth. So, you know, and, and since then, it's been a slow process, but because people say, oh, 800 years ago, we never had that. Whoa, 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 whoa. We have to start from start from the Industrial Revolution. And it, it does make sense that from that point, from that point on, uh, that's when the clock started ticking, you know, to, you know how how we're starting to affect our environment. And really, 99 percent, I think it's 98.7 percent or something of, of all the scientific community believe that this there's validity here. It just, just all we have to do is accept it and make little sacrifices, and we'll be all right. I, I just, I just, I don't know. I, I yeah. I just, you know, Some things they say. Uh, I'm reading something called "18 Simple Things You Can Do About Climate Change." Um, bring your own bottle or mug. Uh, replace inefficient light bulbs. Turn off some lights. Have a two degrees goal at home. Uh, set your thermostat a couple degrees up or down, depending on the season to make a difference in the energy you use walk or bike somewhere you normally drive. Um, yeah. Cause they're always talking about people taking these private flights. They're like, Oh, they're against global warming, but here they are using their private jets flying all over the place. So, you know, that I'm happens to people that makes people angry sometimes too. They're like, are they being hypocritical? Do they actually care? Like, you know um, also, yeah, just a lot of little, little, uh, What's well, like I told you about 10, ten if everyone chips in 10, 10 bucks is nothing, right? But if everyone chips in 10 bucks, if the more people, if millions of people start chipping in $10, you're going to feed a lot of folks. You're going to buy a lot of Band-Aids for folks. You're going to get a lot of blankets on people that are cold. You know, you're going to, you're just going to make a difference. So every, everyone does their, their due diligence. Everyone does a little something and that's all, but you can't do that if you deny that it's real. That's the only, that's the biggest problem, you know, in, in some circles. Yeah, so, there's a good one. It says, don't be a vampire. Unplug your computer, toaster, and other appliances when not using them to avoid sucking up needless energy. Um, you know, there's just a little, like people can have these little, these little tips. You know, they're already, I didn't like it at first, but New Jersey got rid of uh, plastic bags. Mm -hmm. um, and at first, I didn't I like it either. 
I was annoyed for the, I had to get really used to it. Like every time I went in the store, oh my God, I forgot the bags again. I got to buy more bags. And like, yep. now I'm just, I'm just so used to it. Now when I think about it, I'm like, we are, we are like saving a lot, like, you know, a lot of plastic waste that are killing like ocean life. And like, it, it's a little inconvenience for us, but you know, we can, we can use these recyclable bags. It's not like a huge deal. Exactly. And I, I, you took the words out of my mouth because when it first started and as much as I wanted to you know, participate in this too, I'm like, hey, why do you just give me the plastic bags and this? But if everyone, if it applies to everyone it, and everyone, you know, you know, doesn't buy, get doesn't get plastic and, and that starts to add up, it makes a big difference in this plastic. A lot of this plastic, because we've got so much plastic to be recycled that, we, that, that a lot of it doesn't even get anywhere near recycling bin and they haul it out to the ocean and my god well that's horrible because this stuff doesn't it's not biodegradable and it's it's just not it's not going to go away man you know what i mean so i think that's that's you have we have to do what we have to do and i'm right with you i almost verbatim with regard to when it first started it was a pain in the ass but now i've got it down and okay i grab my bags wawa does the same damn thing and it makes sense it just makes a whole lot of sense and and we have to start if we have any kind of consent because generations to come will look back and say, if we don't they'll look back and say what the hell were they you know, yeah because you think about it, like say say someone can show us the future of like if you guys keep using plastic bags this is going to happen and, and they and they and they could prove it was real everyone would be like oh my god like of course you know we don't need to use these bags it's like you know yeah i can bring my own bags like you know, until people can see the finish line and see the light at the end of the tunnel and the threat type of thing, like they really just don't take it seriously. Right. And it's the cumulative effect of very subtle temperature changes to the planet. Now, one degree or two degrees doesn't make a damn difference to you and I if we're going to go out playing golf, whether it's 68 or 70. But one or two degrees perennially, perennially adds up and, and, and it really makes a difference to this volatile planet. It really, really does. And yeah. we have to just be aware of it and... and I just, you can't grow up. One of the funniest, saddest things and funniest things at the same time, there was a, there was a, um, a center. Well, I don't think he was a center. It was a house of representatives. I can't remember where he was from uh, and I'm not going to get political, but he was one of these. No, it's not. There's no global warming. <laughs> he stands there in front of Congress with a big old snowball about the size of a volleyball volleyball. He says, well, I got this outside. Now, if it's global warming, how did I get this? I mean, that's the mentality. That it's yeah, like, yeah. Jesus, I mean, dude, are you for real? If you're, <laughs> if this, I hope you're, because if you're really asking this question for real, I, let's take a test here and, and see if you should even be in, in standing where yeah. you are. Anyway. Um, so I, I read an article in New York Times a couple of months ago or last month. Uh, the guy lived an entire day without plastic. He lives in New York City. Like one of the writers from New York Times um and you know he had to like ask his wife to open the door for him because the doorknob had plastic coating like that's a level of like he took it to a different level of avoiding plastic he used a uh, a shampoo bar instead of uh <laughs> instead of shampoo out of a plastic bottle um everywhere he went he had to it was like such a challenge so he did it to the extreme right not everyone has to go like crazy and, and like because he was just doing it as an experiment just to see can you go a whole day with plastic and it's very it is very tough. I mean, plastics are crucial ingredient in a lot of big things we have, like smoke alarms and helmets. Um, plastic airplane parts are lighter than metal ones. So we're never going to get rid of plastic. And I, I don't want to get rid of plastic. Plastic is such a, it's a great thing. Plastic's like pretty cool. And it's like, it's in yeah. a, 
it's awesome, but obviously we don't want it ending up like hurting us and like ending up in the oceans, killing marine life and, you know, causing all this toxic, like, you know, it's, it's just like, if we're just responsible for recycling and like, you know, the little things like not using plastic bags, the whole state is doing it in New Jersey. Like, you know, that is going to hopefully add up cumulatively, like you said, but mm-hmm. again, we're not a show to preach to the left or to the right or to, you know, no. I was just, this is, this just spurred a, th- cause we were talking about Southern California, you know, having a snowstorm, a blizzard. And that's just, this has sprouted up this topic. We didn't, Joe and I didn't even plan. <laughs> we didn't talk about, we were like, we were like, yo, let's talk about global warming. This is just something that just came up, you know? Right. Yep. But uh, it, nonetheless, it's, it, you know, it's something to think about for sure. It's but, something, uh, yeah, that we all, if we all acknowledge that it exists, and I think a lot of those folks over there, who they know the truth. If we just acknowledge that it does exist and we all agree to take little steps to, to, to proactive measures, we should be fine. But it's that first part that we got to get past. Yeah. Um, yeah. So speaking of plastic, um, not that this involves plastic. I just saw a movie last night called Cocaine Bear. Um, <laughs> and let me tell you, this was way better than I expected. Like this movie for Thursday night, it was, the theater was packed. I think it's, it's not, it's like that Megan movie. It's one of those movies that people are going to have fun going to see in theaters. And um, it was actually Ray Liotta's last movie that he ever did before he died. Um, Carrie so Ray, Russell's Ray, in that too, I think. Who? Kerry Russell? Yeah, she's in, she's in it. I really like her. She was in a great show called The Americans. Oh, you st- I loved that program. That was a great series. Oh, you watch The Americans too? Oh, I tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. And also, Sorry about there's, that. there's a lady from The Americans. You probably, if I showed her her your uh you her picture, um, you probably you probably know who she is right away. Her name is Margot Martindale. She does not get enough credit as an actress. Um, because she was excellent in the American. She's like the older, like kind of like chubby lady. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sending you. I'm sending you a picture right now. Check your phone in like two seconds. I know exactly. I think I know exactly. She was a tough customer in that but too. She was in Cocaine Bear, and oh my god, her performance was friggin' funny. Do you see the picture? Yep, that's her. Yep. Yeah. So Margot Martindale, we might mess around and do her like one episode was <laughs> like right. as our feature actor because she's like she's one of these, I think she's a late bloomer. Cause I don't, I don't know what she was in before she got like kind of older in her career and got started aging, but she, she was great in the Americans. Um, she was in a show called the watcher. She plays like these characters who are so unique and so fitted to her, her skill set and how she, how she looks and how she acts. Mm-hmm. Um, but not to, not to get off on a tangent about uh, this actress. She was also in a show <laughs> I really like called sneaky, sneaky Pete. And she's not our actress of the week, but she's, she's probably going to be, I just decided she has to be, she's, she's a great actress. Um, but anyway, so cocaine bear was, a, it was, it was kind of like a fun, like it reminded me of like an eighties, like horror movie, like Jason or something or Friday the 13th. However, it was, it was, there was a lot of levity to it. It was, it was funny. It was light. Yes. This, this bear was in, it was based on a true story too. Like cocaine fell out of the sky. Um, and this bear, it was in a Georgia forest. This bear ended up snorting the cocaine and started like killing people. I'm, they obviously embellished for the movie. But it was just a really funny, fun movie. It was only about an hour and a half. You know, it didn't keep you at the theater too long. It was 90 minutes. Right. Um, the whole theater was laughing at a lot of parts. Yeah, that's why I like being in the theater. You can really sense what's going on. How How is the crowd reacting to the, to the movie? And I think this movie is going to be, I think it's going to be number one in the box office. I think it's going to make, I said Megan's going to make 30 million. I wouldn't be surprised if Cocaine Bear messed around and made like 22 to 30 million at least. Right. Um, so I highly recommend Cocaine Bear. I'd give it a... 7.7. I really enjoyed it. Awesome movie. That's the most recent movie I saw in theaters. 
Um, but I can't, I can't speak highly more highly of it. I mean, it's, it's awesome. Um, but then another thing happened, Joe, you ever hear of a grocery store named Aldi? Yes. Oh Never my, been there, I, but I heard the prices. I went good. there for the first time. There's one right near me, dude. It is frigging all like, it's like, it's kind of everything. It seems really cheap looking inside. It's just like, wow, this is, they didn't put a lot of effort into like the aesthetics in this supermarket, but dude, I spent like 28 bucks there. And like I got so much stuff, dude. Like I got I got a whole loaf of white bread for like a dollar twenty. I usually pay like two dollars and change at Walmart for the Wonder Bread. Um, I got a box of graham crackers for like a dollar twenty. I got a, a thing of two pounds of strawberries or whatever the hell it is for uh for two bucks. The produce is super cheap. I got a pre-made uh refrigerated uh Hawaiian chicken and um, some other sort of chicken and made in the microwave in like five minutes. The chicken was excellent. It's, it's chicken thighs. It was only about $7 for that meal. Um, so it's kind of like, it's, I think it's owned by the same co- It was basically, it was the first, it was Germany's first discount grocery stores founded in 1961. But I think now the same company, I think the, the Albrecht family, they own Trader Joe's. So Trader Joe's is super popular. So everyone goes to Trader Joe's, but not a lot of people know about Aldi, A-L-D-I. Yeah, they've if been. You want to save money if you're pinching pennies like me. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, you, it's really a great place. I mean, you could save a ton of money because I thought I was saving a lot of money at BJ's, the wholesale place, and Costco and Walmart. But um, I pretty much, you know, for twenty eight bucks, the amount of food that I got um, was wow. You know what I mean? It's like, well, what, yeah. What I'm going to have to do is really, I'm going to take, I'm going to check back with you like, like in a month to see how, how, how satisfied you are with the quality. I know the prices are, that's what I was concerned about, but let me tell you the graham crackers, very good. The pre-made meals, um, very good. Um, the, the strawberries were not rotten or anything like that. The strawberry is pretty fresh. Um, trying to think what else did I get? Um, yeah, I mean everything. I can't. I really can't complain about any any like the quality of any of the products I got there. You know. Yeah. So I and that's cool. And it's early. If you just started, I'm gonna check back with you in a month. Also, eggs. Eggs are going for like six dollars a six dollars a dozen. They're they had uh, cartons of eggs for like three dollars and thirty cents or three dollars and fifty cents. So, you know, you, you're really you know it's just they're just eggs. You know what I mean? You know they're not going to be contaminated or really you know they're unfresh. I mean they have the, the expiration date on them. So even buying something as simple as a carton of eggs, you know, cause I read something I was reading, I, you know, I go, I, I, I go down rabbit holes basically um, reading stuff, especially on Reddit. And there's people on Reddit talking about Aldi. Like, yeah, my, my family's grocery bill went from $700 a month to like $350 a month. Like they cut their grocery bills in half just by at least not, not buying everything at Aldi, but at least shopping at Aldi. So just very impressed with Aldi. I mean, it's, it's unimpressed. One thing I was unimpressed was they don't have self-checkout in the one that I went to. So that was annoying. You know, they only had one uh, cashier, but then, you know, they had like two employees. It was, it was also late at night. It was around closing time, right. but they had, they had eventually a second cashier came and helped out. I was out of there within like five minutes. So they don't have, a, they don't seem like they have a ton of help, at least at nighttime, no self-checkout. Um, it looks kind of cheap looking inside. Like everything's like, you know, it's, it's all like, you know, it's like, there's not a lot of furniture and not a lot of like, like I said, aesthetics, like normal grocery stores have, but um the quality of the food has been, you know, good enough. You know what I mean? So that's cool. So it's a nice little discovery. Cause you know, you know me, I'm looking for budget and deals. I, I didn't take it seriously. Cause like their app is kind of, sh- uh, kind of crappy. And um, I just like, 
I was I couldn't find what I wanted on their app. I didn't know what I was. I was like, what do they have there? Where's the discounts? Where's the rewards? Because they don't have a rewards program like a lot of these other grocery stores have. So, you know, I, I had to go buy hard boiled eggs. They didn't have hard boiled eggs. I'll say that. I had to go buy hard boiled eggs. And that's the only reason I went in there to see if they had hard boiled eggs. But um, very good. Very impressed with uh, Aldi. Good. I have, before you go on to your next thing, I have something I wanted to say. Okay. Um, is, it, is it about Turkey and Red Cross again or something else? Well, it's uh, no. I mean, I, that's that stays. I mean, I, if if anyone please, I'm just, well. Since you bring it up, I'm going to say that uh, in Turkey, uh, the natural disaster is is causing a lot of misery for people. So please, if you get a chance on your phone, you can donate ten bucks to uh, victims of natural disasters. To, uh, just type in the word Red Cross, R E D C R O S S to the number 90999. Um, and I've said this on previous episodes too. So if you could do that, it would be much appreciated. Um, here in Philadelphia, we had a police officer, 31-year-old Sergeant Christopher Fitzgerald uh, was gunned down last week. He's a Temple police officer. He's a father of five. Uh, he was laid to rest today. I just wanted to um, to acknowledge him, Sergeant Christopher Fitzgerald, 31 years old, a Temple police officer, the first Temple police officer to ever lose his life on duty, father of five kids, um, RIP young man, uh, just wanted to get that out of the way. Thanks. Um, I also saw that uh, he was posthumously, is that, is that, is that that's posthumously, how yeah, yeah. posthumously, whatever it is, um, right. promoted to the rank of sergeant during the funeral service. So that was pretty cool, I guess. Right. That's why I said I did say sorry, but you're right. It just happened. And and uh, that's one thing. The other thing is here, it's a program I saw the other day um, and I thought it was just fascinating. It really was. It's not often you get a chance to sit down and speak to someone who's 111 years old to tell you the stories of, uh, of their life. Um, but this song, this, this song, this program was called 100 Years from Mississippi. It can be seen um, online. It's a it's a public broadcasting program, but it can be acquired and, and, and it can be seen on online or whatever. It's called 100 Years from Mississippi. Miss Mamie Lang Kirkland was just seven years old in 1915. She and her family fled Ellisville, Mississippi in fear for her father's life because he was threatened to, uh, you know, for being to be lynched as her father was a preacher, a good man, but unfortunately for him, he was African-American and he was really, a, they threatened to lynch him. And back then they just didn't talk. Um, this, this program will show you a lot of things that, um, that a lot of us don't like to see. And a lot of things that I, I just, my, my head went into my hands, when I saw a lot of this stuff, you know, did it existed. You, uh, where, did, it looks like it's uh, it's 99 cents on Apple, $3 on Voodoo, $4 on YouTube. Uh, they charge on Prime Video too. Did you happen to, did you pay for it? Did you, where was it on? I was watching TV one night and I said, what am I going to watch tonight? And I saw the, the title and I said, bang, it was on public broadcasting for, you know, for, for okay. free. So, um, and um, she's, she, uh, she vowed never to return. Now, they left. She left as a little girl. Right. Seven years old. She left with a lot of a lot of things that she had already seen. And then she left and the family left and they went to Michigan and she stayed there in Michigan till she could no longer really get around. And her son, who lived in California, brought her to California for her final years. But uh, you get the opportunity to sit with this woman and 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 hear the stories and see pictures 
and uh, it's it was really just a treat. And it, it really was something else. It really was something else. And I couldn't think of a better time than uh, Black History Month. But regardless, I don't care if it was May or September. I don't give a damn what month it was. It was just a great, great, great program. So I just wanted to put that out there. That's all. Cool. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Yep. Okay. So moving on to our actor of the week. Uh, man's name is Forrest Whitaker. I'm sure a lot of people know who he is. Um, Joe, this is your selection. I'll talk a little bit about him. Then I'll let you... Talk about your top five. Yep. Um, so he was born July 15th, 1961. Born in Texas, but his family moved to South Central Los Angeles in 1965. His mom was a special education teacher. His dad was an insurance salesman. Um, he played on the football team and he sang in the choir. Then he, he played a year of college football. Um, and he got a football injury that made him quit college football and, and change his major to music. Um he transferred and ended up in USC's Drama Conservatory. So that's where he really got his acting chops. Um, he graduated from USC uh, with a BFA in acting in 1982. Um, he's best known for a lot of people for his performance in The Last King of Scotland, a 2006 movie. He got the Academy Award for Best Actor. He was the fourth Black actor in history to do so. Um, he joined Sidney Poitier, who we talked about. Denzel Washington and Jamie Foxx at that. This was 2006. So that was at that time. He was the fourth black actor to win that award. Um, in his first, in his accepting speech, he said when he first started acting, it was because of his desire to connect to everyone, to that thing inside each of us, that light that he believes exists in all of us, because acting for him is about believing in that connection. It's a connection so strong. It's a connection so deep that we feel it, and through our combined belief, we can create a new reality. So think about that. It's pretty cool, that sort yeah. of philosophy on acting. Yeah. Um, he said um, every part that he played, even especially in Last King, he learned new things that he couldn't figure out how to adapt it to the next role. Um, it was always a new discovery, every part he played. So like you would think that he learned these things and he could apply it to the next role, but no, like, every role is a challenge. You know, He does a ton of research for his roles. Um, he tries to put his, himself in each character's shoes. Um, he likes to find a connection on the character he's playing and himself. Um, he said, if he doesn't get nervous before a role, it usually means he didn't do something great or it's not, it's not going to be great. You know, he has yeah. to be a little bit nervous that, you know, that that's a good sign. You're kind of nervous. Sure. He's also known for his humanitarian work. Um, and just quickly, I'll go over some stuff that he was in before your top five. Um, obviously, his big breakout role was Fast Times at Ridge, Ridgemont High in 1982. The ironic part was he had to gain 40 pounds for the role, even though he was a former football player, because he was so poor at the time, 1982, that he was poor, he was so he was so poor that he was so thin. Yeah. Um, then it was in another movie I really love called Vision Quest with Matthew Modine, one of my favorite movies of all time. The Wrestler, yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, Color of Money, this is a Scorsese movie. I've been meaning to watch that recently. I haven't seen that. Yeah, I really want to watch. I haven't that. seen it either. I'm going to might mess around and it watch was, that. It was free on Amazon Prime, and I was going to go watch it last night, and then it said it was. You know, sometimes they take the movies off free, and then it's got to be. Yeah, got to pay for it. So I didn't watch it last night. Um, yeah, I was in a bunch of stuff. The Crying Game for 1992, Bloodsport, one of my favorite movies, Bloodsport with Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Um, yeah, this guy, you know, he. He stood out to me big time. I, wa I watched a show with Michael Chiklis called The Shield. It was on FX. Mm -hmm. um, 
he was great in that role. He said he merely had to draw on his childhood years and growing up in South Central Los Angeles for the role. His childhood, you know, helped him out a lot with that role. Because uh, he's trying to take down a dirty cop in that show. Um, you know, he's in a bunch of stuff. But Joe, I'll let you talk about his top five. Yeah, I mean, and, and I just just to just to reiterate some of the things you were talking about too. I was I was impressed. I watched a little thing on him when he was interviewed. I was impressed at how much um, research went into him. Uh, yeah. You know, and and how much self evaluating he would do. He would look at himself on screen and look at the character, and if he saw even a little bit of it, of himself in the character, he was disappointed. That's how efficient he wanted to be. He didn't yeah. want to recognize any bit of himself in there. I think that's pretty. That's pretty neat. That's pretty, you know, I you know, I just think that's pretty cool. I also thought it's pretty cool. And we was talking about when he did Edie Amin, who's like a villain type, you know, type, well, not type, Edie Amin was the villain and so forth. But what he wanted to do was take a look at him and, and try to separate the person Idi Amin from all the bad things that happened to him that made him that way and to see a little bit of a light inside of him. I mean, he's that deep. You know what I mean? And then to re to pull him apart that way and then to reconstruct the character, but never forgetting that that light is there. I mean, stuff like that. I was really impressed with his depth. Uh, but anyway, let me just do my top five. And I count from five all the way down to one. OK, number five was you mentioned the fast times at Ridgemont High. I just <laughs> I just I, I love that scene where he Spicoli. just. Go, huh? Well, Spicoli, you can't forget Spicoli from that, though. I, you know, the other night I did uh, no shirt, no shoes, no dice. I did that on my way out. Um, you can never forget Spagot. But um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High was five. Number four was a movie where he didn't have a whole lot of talking, but it's Platoon. And I loved the movie itself. See, when I do this, too, I have to like the movie, too. But the movie Platoon, it was it was a downer, but he was just he was just so steady. And so, uh, so austere, just really just, just plain and just steady the whole movie long, like a rock. I just liked the way he did, did that character. Number three was The Last King of Scotland, where he was uh, Idi Amin, the king of Uganda. Uh, and I'm telling you, well, he, he was, it was frightening how real, you know, he was. Um, number two is a movie that, that's, that's to me, and like I said, this is all subjective to me. He was in a movie and I think it was 1994-ish maybe in the mid-90s. And the movie he did, he was in it with Kurt Russell. And uh, who else was in it? Tommy Lee Jones was in it. Um, the movie was called Blown Away, B-L-O-W-N, Away, Blown Away. And it was a about uh, he was um, he was on the bomb squad with Kurt Russell's character in Boston, uh, and Tommy Lee Jones was a very disgruntled, uh, hyper, um, uh, <laughs> whatever whatever word you want to use. But he was with the IRA, yeah. uh, and I'm not talking individual retirement account either. So it was just a great movie. They all played great parts and it wasn't a main part, but he was in that movie, which I loved. And he was, a, I, he played his part well. And uh, I just, I'll, I'll never forget the, him in that movie. The number one movie I had, because you know me, I like movies like this. I like wa a little walk through history. Uh, it was a movie that he did called The Butler, where he played the role of a butler uh, who made his way from the South up to the North 
and into nice hotels in the Washington, D.C. area. And one day he gets a call to work in the White House and he thinks it's a joke, but it's not a joke. And he goes to the White House and he made a career out of it. And while he was there, you know, he saw, you know, five or six different administrations and got to know presidents and what a life, what a story. And it was based on a true story. So those are my top five. Nice man. Um, there was a scene in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Uh, he play, he plays um, Charles Jefferson. I think that's the name of the character. Yeah. And don't they purposely like damage his car just to motivate him for the game? What happened was Spicoli. Someone did Sp- something to his car and they used well, it as like fuel for him, right? Right. Spic- Spicoli <laughs> uh, was friends with Jefferson's little brother. And yeah, Spicoli yeah. and his little brother were out and they were partying one night. And Spicoli's driving. He's like. Yeah. People on Ludes should not drive. Like it's just funny, you know. <laughs> and he's anyway he smashes up Jefferson's car, and he's like, "My brother's going to kill us, man! He's going to kill us! I'm telling you, my brother's going to shit." And he's like, "Make up your mind, dude. Is he going to shit or is he going to kill us?" Anyway, long story short, the next the scene cuts to this 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 Trans Am that's all beat up. And the scene cuts to the next morning. The next morning, that beat up Trans Am is sitting in the school parking lot. And it's got all kinds of anti, <laughs> anti-Lincoln, like Lincoln sucks and this and yeah. that, to make it look like the rival football team, the rival school, did this to his car. It was a quite clever move. So Jefferson comes out and he's looking at it, you know, and he's looking at it and his eyes, <laughs> and he, they get him all fired up. And uh, he makes about, I don't know, 52 tackles yeah, in his, like, his hospital and shit. Yeah, and like the, 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 he was so, like, they're showing close-ups of him. He was like a man possessed, dude. Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, that was it a was great, good. It was. His role, and that was one of his first roles, too, man. Like, he really, uh, that was cool. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I don't, for my, I'm not really going to do top five, but just at the top of my head, the ones that I really enjoyed him the most, Fast Times is like, that's huge. You know, that movie's a classic. I had that on DVD. Vision Quest, um, Bloodsport, uh, Panic Room, Jodie Foster. I saw that in the movies. Phone Booth, we talked about a couple episodes ago. Uh, the show he was in, The Shield. Um, yeah, I mean, those are my top one. He's also in a great show, Joe. You got to check it out. I think it's on Amazon Prime for free if you have Prime. Godfather yeah. of Harlem, dude. It's amazing. It's a series, yeah. You know who else yeah. is in that? I didn't see it, but I want to see it. I saw a clip from it. Our boy D'Onofrio, or Donofrio, or whatever the hell you want to call him, our boy Vinny is in that. Yeah, he plays, I'm pretty sure he plays <laughs> like a badass, like, gangster guy. Yeah, so I might, I might mess around and like, watch that. Yeah, usually, Like, Donofrio, or Don, was, was Donofrio? We messed up the name, right? We you did it correctly. You I think it, you, you had it the correct Donofrio, pronunciation. Donofrio, whatever, yeah. Yeah, it's counterintuitive from when, but when you look at, it, I say Donofrio. Yeah, but you're so, right, um, Donofrio or something. You know, he's a like the both first Whitaker is big, so is uh, Vincent. Um, they have the ability to play these big, intimidating characters, but yeah, yeah. in real life, at least I know Whitaker is very soft-spoken in real life, um, and yeah. very demure, demure and kind of shy. Whereas uh, Donofrio, Donofrio, however you say it, um, he. Right. He's uh, he's not <laughs> in, real, in real life. I feel like he's more intense than than Forrest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, it was just it was cool. It was cool to see that clip. I I might watch the show. I might. I might. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, man. It's it's a it's a damn. I only saw season one. I watched it with my dad a couple of years ago. But uh, yeah, it was pretty good. 
there's something on that I don't have Hulu or whatever the hell that is, but it's the history of the world part two. You know, Mel Brooks did history. Yeah, of the world. Yeah. This is history of world part two, and it's 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 all contemporary actors. It's brand new, but I'm gonna wait till it comes out. I don't have Hulu, and I'm not just gonna start buying every channel. You know, you five dollars here, five dollars here, five dollars here. Before you know it, you got fifty extra dollars a month just from the. So I'm gonna wait for this to come on some other, but it looks interesting. Okay. History yeah. of the World Part Two. Actually, it's interesting. I'm I'm looking at it. Original series Fortnite event starts March sixth. Um, you could get some pretty good deals if you're willing to watch ads. Because I have I'm grandfathered in for Hulu because I have a, a Spotify Premium. I had like a subscription. I think it was a student subscription, and then somehow I have Hulu for free, but it's along with the ads. I'll watch yeah. ads. I don't care. Yeah, if it's... you could probably get a good promo for it. I'll, I'll let you know when I see them. But like. They run a lot of promos. You can get like Hulu for like a dollar a month for like six months. Oh, okay. That I did not know. Okay. Otherwise, I think it's only like five bucks a month. So it's not that expensive. Well, that well, isn't, but therein lies the rub. Then you start something else I want to see is on another. And then another one. Before you yeah. know it, you know, you're five dollars and you're 12 different channels, and you're 60 dollars yeah. extra a month. It's bullshit. I can't I yeah, kind of throw a line somewhere. But you could, there's a lot of people do this. You could you could just pay the five dollars for the one subscribe for one month. Watch everything you want to watch on Hulu and then unsubscribe and then wait for more stuff and do it again, you know? Yeah, it's just a pain in the ass to unsubscribe and all that stuff. But you know what? Sooner or later, that will come on some other channel. You know, it starts at Hulu, but it's, it'll it'll be on eventually. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. But no, it, it looks – I like – because I like that those kind of things. Yeah, no, I love the history. history of the, Mel Brooks is awesome. You guys are legend. Yeah. All right, so uh, Snapple Fact, you chose this, Joe. Um, oh, shout out to Forrest Whitaker. Um, happy to talk about you on the show, sir. Uh, Snapple fact, uh, 1281 in Venus, it snows metal. So, you know, there's a lot of like scientific reasons why this happens. I'll give you just a quick idea. Um, with the high temperatures in the planet's surface on Venus's surface, water ice is impossible. Um, so it's made from lead sulfide and bismuth sulfide more commonly known as minerals galena and bismuth. And I, anyway, there's a lot of scientific reasons, but basically the snow on Venus's surface is probably more similar to frost than it is actual snow. Um, but the fact, you know, the fact is that it, it, it snows, it kind of snows a type of metal on Venus. Um, so there's, there's sulfuric, sulfuric acid rains. They've been observed. Um, it evaporates before it hits the ground. Um, just just like over the rainforest on Earth. So anyway, that was interesting. You picked that one out, Joe. Yeah, um, I, I just saw cool. that and I thought snow's metal. But then the more I thought about it, uh, you know, we have mercury here, which is a liquid metal. And I figured it was something like that, probably. Still, it catches your eye, you know? Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, so I guess we're on to a segment called On the Real. And it's time for Joe to try to stump me. Okay. And these are just headlines. Which I like better. All right. Headline. You're going to elaborate in the real one, right? Yeah. Okay. Number one, new species of rep reptile discovered in Amazon rainforest. Number two, an elite Bronze Age man had brain surgery more than 3,000 years ago. Number three, Utah girl finds coin worth $2.5 million. Okay, so the second one was in, you call him an elite E L I T E elite. Yeah, he was kind of like a rich guy who had brain surgery. Based on where they found uh, 
the body, the you know, the bones and everything, based on where they found them, they can deduce that he was he and his brother were well to do based on the location of the grave, right? So an elite Bronze Age just gives you an idea of the time. And an elite Bronze Age man had brain surgery more than three thousand years ago. Okay, so, so one thousand BC. Where was the new species of reptile discovered in the forest? You said new species of reptile discovered in Amazon rainforest. Okay. New species of reptile. Um, let me think. All right. So this it's everything's plausible, right? They're always discovering new species. Um, so it's not out of the ordinary for that to happen. Uh the brain surgery one is interesting. Um, and the third one was what again? Utah girl finds coin. Oh, she found a coin versus two or five million dollars. Okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. These are all, yeah, these are all trick. The headlines are a little bit more tricky because there's not as much to pick out from what you did. You know, you <laughs> yeah. Know. But easier to prepare, though, for all of us. So. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with the second story just because you. You explained it. You said the bronze the bronze period. I know that I know what the bronze period is, uh, but then you, I don't know. I think I think I'm going with number two is real. Unfortunately, you are very correct, sir. Okay. Good job. <laughs> Finally, man, you you've got me like the past four episodes or something like that. Finally, damn. Yeah, yeah, and I somehow lucked out, and you know, but I I do not sit there. I believe me, I do not, dude. You know me. You think I'm going to sit there and try to chase an answer to some? No. And it's fun to try to. But uh, archaeologists uncovered the buried site, the burial site of two brothers who lived during the 15th century BC in Israel. They were surprised to discover that one of them had brain surgery shortly before he died. The uh, some, some, it says finding uh, marks. Uh, it says uh, the oh, get your notes together, sir. Yeah, and I'm trying to read my own damn writing here, but the marks, um, right, this is finding it, is it... marks the earliest. Oh, oh, this finding marks the earliest example of something called trephination. T R E P H. If you messed around, like if you messed around and included trephination in your in your headline, I would have been like. Dude, he made like that's a that's a real one because you wouldn't to think for you to think of now you're gonna use it in the future, but like for you to think of something called trephination, like what gave it away to me was when you said the bronze period. I was like, okay, he's got the bronze, it's really specific. It's like because I, I kind of asked you a secondary question. Right. Um, but no, good one. We don't have to hear too much about it. So basically, right, I good. I had that's brain cool. surgery. Mm-hmm. Okay. Trephination was the name of the procedure, and because of the precision of the cuts in the skull scientists knew that it was an intentional close-up thing not like you know he caught a rock to the head or something and and it's consistent with what they know about that period so interesting. i think that's when they they drill um a circular piece of bone is drilled and pulled out of the skull well this was like a, a, lot of a square but like, yeah. they try to relieve people's pressure in their brains by like drilling holes in their, their head yeah, it was one of those deals they could yeah. tell by the incision um, that it was it was a surgical procedure and not an accident, uh, and they could tell that based on the location of the graves because they found his brother with him and it was his brother I guess through DNA. Uh, but they they could tell that, that they were probably well off based on the location of their graves. Yeah. So, but it doesn't matter, man. You nailed it, brah. So okay, cool. 
Excellent. So quickly, uh, Brian Koberger and Alex Murdoch. I think it's actually, I've been saying Murdoch. I think it's actually Murdoch. It's murder, really, <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah, murder. But um, I've been, you know, he's, he took the stand this week, Alex Murdoch. I know um, he did. Let's talk about him first, I guess. Eh, talk about Murdoch. Koberger is really quick. So Koberger basically, um, he reportedly had pictures of the of one of the women he is accused of killing on his phone. Um, more than a month and a half after the attacks, he had pictures of one of the girls on his phone. So that's a little bit weird. He followed them on Instagram. He kind of stalked them. He DM them and stuff. But like to have actual pictures like in his like photo album of one of the girls, it's a little bit creepy and weird. And just lends more to the fact that he's probably guilty. Um, they found multiple pictures of her. Um, and it didn't say if the pictures had been taken by him. Uh, they didn't say if he got it from social media, but nonetheless, he had them saved on his phone, which is very creepy. Uh, anyway, Alex Murdoch took the stand, Joe. Um, and today he got cross-examined. And I'm kind of like, I'm kind of nervous because I, I have a friend. I'm not going to say who. He's like, oh, man, I've been watching the Murdoch trial, Murdoch trial. And, you know, I think he's innocent. He's this guy. He's such a reptile and such a good liar. On the stand, because everyone's saying it was a mistake to put him on the stand and everything like that. And it was a mistake for him to be on the stand because it's going to make, you know, it's going to, he's going to hang himself with his own words, right? Um, but there's people, just normal people, pretty smart people, thinking he's innocent just by looking at his body language and listening to him talk. Because he's saying things like, he's like, oh, you know, if he fear, feared that his embezzlement was about to come to light, he would have rather killed himself than his family. Um, He's like, I would never, he would never hurt his wife or son. He would hurt himself before he hurts one of them. And like, this guy's a trained lawyer. So he knows how to like operate while being on a witness stand. Um, So there's a lot going on uh, with him on the stand. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, he's like, he's, he's, he's very convincing though. Cause I watched, I've been watching a little bit too. And like, he's, his body language is under control and he's very like, you know, they're not able to poke a lot of holes in what he's been saying, but obviously it's been working because the casual observers, people just checking out the case for a little bit is like believing this guy. And like, they're like, all it takes is one juror to, for him to be innocent. And like, it's a little concerning that people think this guy's innocent when everything points to him being guilty, you know? Well, that's the whole thing. He's a trained lawyer and a very good lawyer at that. Um a lot of sociopaths are very smart and skillful at a lot of things. So he's able to manipulate those who are easily hoodwinked. So, um, yeah, there are people that are going to be easily hoodwinked and it only takes one very gullible person to, uh, to throw the whole thing out of whack. So I don't doubt that at all. Yeah. A lot of so gullible some, people out there. Some highlights from him on the stand. Uh, so, um, he literally said, I didn't shoot my wife or son. um, he, uh, what was he, he supposed to say? Yeah. yeah, I mowed him down. I shot him point blank range. You know, <laughs> of course he's going to uh, say. That. He admitted he lied to law enforcement officers about the lo- his location before the murders due to his addiction to prescription pain pills and parano- general paranoia. He broke down multiple times on the stand um, as his attorney asked him to describe the murder scene. Uh, I'm getting these these quick notes that I got here. It's pretty helpful because um, I usually find it myself, but quickly just got some cliff notes here from NBC news.com. Um, so they have pretty good, a nice concise little, uh, I like when they do the bullet points. You don't have to read a whole article. I do that anyway, usually, but this is nice. Um, so the cross examination prosecution grilled them 
on his news story, uh, they said that his his testimony was uh, yesterday was fabricated to align with the Snapchat video evidence that he saw his wife and son minutes before they were found dead. Because there's video from his son's phone of Alex Murdoch being around the wife and son minutes before they were killed. And I don't know how he's tiptoeing around that, but um, that's something the prosecution really needs to drill deep into and really challenge him on. Why were you in this video? That type of thing. Because that's very important. Um <laughs> So just watching him on stand, it's like, I want to see the guy really like uh, squirm and be nervous. And I'm like, yeah, this guy, you know, he's guilty. And like, but like people are saying like, you know, OJ got off. Why can't he? It takes one juror. And apparently on the stand, he's doing a pretty convincing job, which is very, concerning because OJ very, shame for this murderer and general scumbag to go free. Right. You know? Therein lies the rub. I mean, I don't think anyone, I don't, I really don't think anyone that really thinks about it will, will actually think that, well, he's, he's innocent, but the, someone can take, take this and say, you know, I think he might get away with this. That's different. And to think he might get away with this is a, is a scary thought that I had too. Now I'm not naive enough to think, geez, he might be innocent. No, 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 no. There's enough there to really look at this thing. And the reason why he's coming ac- across so so smoothly he is a tremendously skilled lawyer don't think that he's not dude sociopaths a lot of sociopaths are very very smart and very very successful people so that they're not mutually exclusive so um i think he's he's a very smooth character very well spoken, very educated, very skilled. He knows exactly what he wants to say up there. But unfortunately, with these jokers, what a lot of times is they think they're they're extra extra. They think they're going to outsmart everybody. But I think there's enough there that if you really look at it, if you just go by facts, he's toast. But is there enough there to sway just one of these one of these guys, one of these people on the jury to just, well, I really don't know for sure, you know, then you might get it. You might get it. So, so yeah, I don't think, any, I don't think, I really, I really, I don't think any rational person would look at say and say, I think he might be innocent, but I think someone might look and say, hey, you know, he's not going to mess around and get away with this. Cause I had, I had the same scary thought, but even if he gets away with this murder thing, I think he's, he's, he's guilty of enough, um, uh, you know, embezzlement and things like that to put him in jail forever anyway. So, I mean, you know, for years and years and years anyway. So, I mean, you know, pick your, you pick your weapon, pick your poison, the knife or the gun, you know, no pun intended, but I think he's, I don't think you're ever going to see him out anywhere, you know? So. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, so current events, um, Joe, you have you heard about the train derailment, in, uh, East Palestine, Ohio? Yep. yep. So I've been reading a couple articles about it. Basically, the train derailed. It was carrying a lot of toxic chemicals, including uh, uh, hydrogen or vinyl chloride or something like that. Um, you know, it was a, it's, it's just one of those things that happens in these local towns where there's like an explosion or something like that. And then like the, it could poison the water. Um, there could be long-term effects from the chemicals, from the toxic chemicals, from this train. Um, but people are skeptical of the officials. A lot of fi- government officials are testing, doing their official tests, quote unquote. Uh, and these people are saying that's not good enough. Um, they're trying to say the air monitoring team left within 10 minutes due to an unpleasant overwhelming order, uh, odor. Um, uh, it smells like a super glue pool fruity like odor. But there was no significant amounts of vinyl chloride because vinyl chloride is a colorless gas carried by the train, but it also had other toxic chemicals. Um, 
But a lot of people are seeking their independent tests, even though they cost a lot of money. Some of these tests cost at least a thousand dollars. They don't. They're worried about the threat of possible long-term exposure to the chemical cocktail. It was I don't released, blame them. It was released into the air and the water. Um, they're saying that there's a deep fear that the town and its neighboring villages will be forgotten. Now it's a current event. Now it's all over the news. They don't want people to forget about this. They want to be like, what do we do? Do we leave this town? Do we abandon East Palestine, Ohio? What do we do here? Because this could have long-term effects on the future childbirths, cancer, all sorts of stuff that can happen from this. Again, it's, vinyl chloride is an odorless toxic chemical. So, you know, um, EPA said they screened 525 homes for air quality. Um, they sampled the water in town. They said there's no concerning levels of contaminants. Uh, they also tested 48 wells, mostly in Ohio. They found them safe. Um, they're going to continue to test it until they say the danger has passed. But again, residents are scared. They're going to forget about them. And all this problem is going to be down the road. Even Aaron Brockovich, the, the beautiful actress, Julia Roberts, played Aaron Brockovich in a movie about issues like this. Um, she's an environmental activist now. Uh, she successfully challenged companies in the spread of toxic pollutants. She appeared in East Palestine on Thursday. Um, so she's 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 involved now. She's a big name. There's a movie made after her. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, they've, they've officials encouraged the families of private wells to keep drinking bottled water until their water has been tested. And somebody said, if you go into a marshmallow factory and there's a mustard plant right beside it, then your marshmallows are going to taste like mustard. They said that's exactly what's happening. Um, and then there's also new news, another article in the New York Times. Um, the crew tried to stop the train before the derailment. They said an overheating wheel bearing set off an audible alarm on the train before it derailed. Um, the wheel bearing had been steadily heating up as the train traveled through Ohio, uh, but the alarm did not go off until a sensor registered that the wheel had reached 253 degrees above the ambient temperature. So this is good to know to prevent this in the future. Because mm-hmm. two earlier sensors did not even register a high enough temperature to trigger an alarm. And then, you know, because these trains and these toxic chemicals can ruin entire towns and cities, dude. It's scary. And I'm uh, not going to get political with you, but there were safety regulations in place. But during a certain presidential administration, um, and not the current one, but the one before it, those uh, regulations were lifted uh, by uh, the former president and members of his party because they were inconvenient uh, and and cost a little bit of extra money. So they were lifted. If those regulations had been firmly left in place, this could have been averted. Um, that's the tragedy. It's one of the tragedies. A, another tragedy here is, uh, if you don't think we live in a, in a, in a, in a, in a country that, that sees color, um, out in Michigan, up near Flint, Michigan, for the longest time, the water was contaminated, and they couldn't get anybody to do a damn thing. I mean, it was it was like it was almost like a, like the color of ginger ale, as opposed to being clear, for the longest and longest time, on and on and on. And P, look, little kids were developing you know, this disease and that's these people are developing cancer. And this went on for a couple of three, four, five years up and look it up, look it up in Flint, Flint, Michigan. And it's just one of those things that I just, it's it just heartbreaking when you look at the, you well, look at the injustices. Of so our there's, a lot, there's a lot of people to blame, right? I mean, even Pete Buttigieg um, and other government officials, they're facing a lot of criticism. They're saying there's been a delayed response. So yes, it could have been prevented in a lot of ways, but also the Nor- Norfolk Southern is the operator of the train. 
they've fa- they're facing the wrath of a lot of residents and lawmakers over the the, the uh the I saw the president interviewed today and asked this question. He said, "Let's put things in proper perspective. We had people out there within two hours of this accident." Within two hours of the accident, they had people out there. So there aren't a whole lot of people to blame. There's really yeah. one specific. You, so I mean, let's mention, just get it. Let's get it right. Let's get yeah. it right. I'm 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 going to be fair when it's fair, but I'm also going to lean when it's right. I'm going to I'm going to tell you that way. So we the, the, his the Biden administration had people on the ground out there, Sean, within two hours of the accident. So okay. we're not going to start that that BS too, like this this false equivalency stuff. So, okay. but I'm and I'm not going to get all worked up. But um, what else is on the docket besides that horrific? story of that train accident do we have anything else of interest well well, i want to continue talking about this for a second here because it's obviously an important uh topic you know because when this stuff happens it's very scary and there's like you know people can die and get cancer so it's not something to do lightly i know Um, but um yeah just you talking about the previous administration not to i don't want to talk about politics and go crazy here but like then don't you know bill maher he said something funny. This is really lighthearted and it's kind of funny, but it gives you an idea of how some people think. Um, he said that Donald Trump, he challenged Donald Trump. He'll pay him $5 million if he can prove that he's not related to an orangutan because they have the exact same hair color and stuff. Um, and Donald Trump actually like went to court and proved that he wasn't an orangutan. He brought like his genetic test and everything like that. And he tried to get the $5 million from Bill Maher. So <laughs> when that type of stuff happens, you're like, he really, the ex-president really wants to sue someone for $5 million and keep them to the word just because the guy made a joke about him being related to an orangutan yeah. as the color of his hair. It's like, come on. Yeah. I just, there's no need to, I don't, I don't even like to say his name anymore. Really. It's, it's such no, a, but like, it's just, it's just, oh, like, no, I, that is a funny, I have to tell you, that is a funny story, Sean. It is, but just so sick of, uh, of, 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 of that individual. I mean, just don't even like saying his name anymore. Just yeah. the damage that he's done. Oh God, the damage that he's done. But anyway, so thoughts and anything prayers. else? So um, Ohio and anything else? Yeah, let's. Well, these are current events, dude. We're focused on. That's oh no, no, I'm not being facetious with you, Sean. I'm just saying, is there anything else on? I mean, that, that is. That, it was a very good. I'm glad you shed light on that. Yeah. And it's very important. And what I said about safety, safety regulations and, and whose administration and what was going on and the response time of this administration with boots on the ground, you go look it up. It's all factual because I've, I've been on this because it is it is yeah. a topic of interest. Well, but you know, yeah, those, people, like those people, I pray for those people that they're for their health, because if it happens in your backyard, then it's different. You know what I mean? Yeah. One thing I like to see is that uh, uh, Ohio senators, uh, Sherrod Brown, a Democrat, and J.D. Vance, a Republican, they sent a joint letter on Saturday calling on the state and national EPAs to test the air for dioxins, toxic pollutants um, that could have formed after vinyl chloride was burned. So, you know, both sides of the aisle seem to be coming together and working together to to solve Amen. this issue. So Amen. I like that. Yeah. Amen. Um, so that's our current event. Uh, as far as sports go, football season's over. NBA just came back last night. I'm very happy right now because the Knicks beat the Wizards tonight, despite Jalen Brunson not having a great game. Um, he only had 13 points on six of 20 shooting, but he had nine assists. Josh Hart didn't, you know, you might, you might look at the stat line and see Josh Hart, five points, six rebounds, four assists, two for six shooting. But Josh Hart is a guy you need to watch. He brings so much energy and so much defense um, and heart to no pun intended to the team. Mm-hmm. Him and Jalen played together in college, won a national title. It's working out beautifully so far. You know, if Jay Wright decides to coach the Knicks next year, if somehow they figure a way to do that. I'd be in heaven as a Knicks and Villanova diehard. God, I'd want him as a Sixers coach. I really do. 
Yeah, but you know, oh. he, he'd probably go to the Knicks instead because he's got two of his guys on the team. You know what I mean? I he he loves the Philadelphia. It'd be interesting, Sean, because he loves this area. He really yeah, does. And how about my Sixers last night? How about my Sixers last night? And beat know, a pretty a dog, yeah, pretty doggone good Grizzlies team. So you know. Yeah, the Grizzlies are legit. Um, yeah. It was actually close. It came down to the the end. I mean, I think they're the Grizzlies were within three. I was watching the end of that game, and uh, they actually. I think the I think the Sixers like forced a turnover. Did you see Embiid slap that boy shit away? <laughs> <laughs> that was <laughs> that was just beautiful, brother. And then and then and then and then uh, then my boy uh, the beard sticking that that corner three. Oh, tremendous! Yeah, man, I'm I'm, I'm very happy you're you're locked into. You're not locked. You know, you have to be locked in. But like, I wouldn't I'm use happy, the word. I don't like, have to be locked in. Yeah, I just no, I'm have saying to be. like. Yeah. You're, you're, you watch a little bit of Sixers. We got some, you know. I'm glad. I'm glad. Just say, I'll just say, I'm glad that you're, you're, you know, following. Because I, you know, I'm a diehard basketball fan, man. So I try to well, things that I love. I have a bad habit of trying to like get people to like like what I like too. So oh, I'm no, like, yeah. oh, you know, watch more basketball. And stuff. Oh, dude, had this been 1980, 82, or 81, or 83, I you, I couldn't shut up about basketball. I eat, breathe, and lived. I mean, it was just unbelievable, Sean. And when 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 the Boston Celtics or the Lakers would come to town, the buzz in the air all day long. It just would be like a it would be like a Super Bowl, but it would be unbelievable. It would just be. But this this were the glory days that I remember. But hopefully, there's some to you know. I mean, the Sixers could if they get it together. Who knows? You know, but you, you've got who knows what's going to happen with Giannis and his hands or what's going to go on. And the Celtics, like you had said many a time, if you take that, that long ball away from them, if they go cold there, they're vulnerable. So we're going to see what happens. I mean, out in the West, it's going to be interesting too. Will Bronny, will he make a move? Will, will they make a move? That's going to be interesting to see what they do. Does the thing work in Dallas? Does that work? Yeah. Kyrie. What I noticed, I was, I was, I was very locked in the Dallas game last night because I, I had a nice parlay. Um, I had a free $57 bet and I had to use it by like a certain date. So I'm like, ah, basketball has been gone. I saved this bet. I, let's just, I'll use it. So I, I had pretty good odds. I needed like, you know, six things to happen. Five things that I needed to happen happened. All I needed was two three pointers from Luka Doncic, who usually gets at least two per game. At least he makes at least two threes oh, a game. Yeah. The problem was it was a blowout. So he, they took him out. He didn't really play in the fourth quarter. He had one three pointer. So if he hit one more three pointer, I would have won like, you know, 130 bucks or something like that. So mm. that was annoying. But that happens a lot in parlays. Parlays are, they call parlays are for suckers because you need all these things to happen. But it seems so realistic, right? Because last yeah. night, for example, I needed Kyrie Irving to score 18 points. All right, easy. Kyrie Irving, why wouldn't he score 18 points? Luka Doncic to score 20. Why wouldn't he score 20? You know, a couple other things. Kyrie Irving hit three threes. Um, I thought Luke, I thought, honestly, I thought Luka Doncic's two three pointers was the most, easy thing to happen but when when you're betting if you see a good team playing a bad team and the spurs are not very good be very careful because you might need that player to get x amount of points x amount of assists but the fourth quarter comes they're sitting the stars because the game's over so just gambler's advice all right. But that, um, the West is going to be interesting to see how it unfolds because you've got so many. I mean, you've got Denver, you got the you got the Joker. And then what about what about uh, what about Kevin Durant? Oh, with the Suns. What, what, you know, they, with the Suns, I think like next week, I think. Yeah, do they have enough time though? Is that is that going to take some time to gel? Because they don't um, have a lot, yeah. So it's going to be interesting. No stranger, but he's no stranger to I know Chris Paul is old now, so you can't really call him a super team, but he's no stranger to playing with superstars like he played with Steph Curry. You know, mm-hmm. he's playing with James Harden and Russ Westbrook, Westbrook on the uh, Thunder. 
So I think KD's going to fit in just fine. Um, I think I think Devin Booker is going to be able to defer to KD. Oh, KD, Booker, KD yeah. likes to be the alpha. KD likes to be the alpha and the omega, and like you know, really make a lot of take a lot of shots. And you know, he's a shot maker, right? Yeah. And so is Devin Booker, though. So yeah. I think that CP3 is going to have no problem feeding those guys. But you know, Devin Booker is not selfish, so I think Devin Booker is kind of going to defer to KD, and KD is going to be the alpha. And Katie's going to, I think they're going to be right now. The Suns are fifth seed in the Western conference. Um, you know, I wish they still had my guy, Mikel Bridges, but obviously they need to get KD somehow. So they had to give up a good piece. So yeah, it's interesting. The West is interesting. I think the East, honestly, I mean, yeah, it's the East. The East is pretty stacked themselves because the Knicks are only a sixth seed, but the Knicks are looking damn good. I'm impressed with what the Knicks are no longer like, oh, yeah, the Knicks. No, the Knicks. And it's not just a flash in the pan. I thought they would fizzle out. No, they're 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 a formidable basketball team now for the first time in a long, long time. So it's it's going to be neat to see how, uh, you know, see how things shake out. Absolutely. Um, as far as college basketball is concerned, uh, Villanova beat the number 16th ranked team in the country. Uh, Xavier, we played them Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah. They, it was on the road, too. Yeah. So now we're about 14 and 14, you know, I don't know. We're not going to make the NCAA tournament the way things stand. However, since Justin Moore came back, we look a lot better. Like I predicted, because everyone knows that the best player is missing. Therefore your team's not going to be as good with your, without your best player, but he's back now. If we win that big East tournament, if we mess around and win that big East tournament, win that big East tournament, we're going to bid to the tournament and who knows, who knows what could happen. We're, we're, we're a wild card. We're a very volatile team. We're not consistent. We got a new coach, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what shakes out here. But so I got a little bit of hope, you know, I got a little bit of hope. Um, and Kyle Neptune is doing a little bit better. I'm still not sold on Kyle Neptune, but he's the coach of Villanova. He's doing a little bit better. He's making a little bit better decisions. He's, he's not wasting his timeouts too early in the game. He's making better substitutions. I like him to play Brendan Housen a lot more because Brendan Housen is a sniper, but he's a liability on defense. Thank God he's sat Chris Archidiacono um, a lot more because you know, now we have Justin Moore to handle the bar. We don't really need Arch that mm-hmm. much. But um, yeah, so you know that's basketball. Baseball is coming One back. One thing soon. I want to ask you with basketball, real quickly yeah. though, and just a quick, just a quick, because this is all over the news. What do you think of that that kid from Alabama, Miller? What do you think oh, about? So, oh my God, what a phenomenal talent! I saw him play South Carolina the other night. I was watching the very end of the game and mm-hmm. overtime. He single handedly won that game for Alabama because they weren't looking good. They're like the number two team in the country. Phenomenal talent, projected top five pick, probably will be a top three pick. He people are saying he's like kind of like Kevin Durant. He's that good. But he did – his gun was used in a murder. So now the question is, did he know there was going to be a murder committed? Can they charge him with anything? The fans at South Carolina were being brutal to him. They're calling him guilty. They're chanting guilty of him and yeah. a bunch of other names. Yeah. Has, but for he, he had to deal with – he's a college student. He had to deal with all that. He's about 18 years old, mm-hmm. 19. And he put up 41 points on the road um, versus a hostile crowd. So I was impressed with that. Um, you know. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I doubt he's going to be charged with anything, but who knows? I don't either. And that's a great future. You know, I, I hope that hopefully, you know, he didn't yeah. have more of a serious role in it. Hopefully it was just his gun. The guy happened to use it without his knowledge and 
he was naive to the whole That's thing. So. The whole thing. We need. To, I need to find out a whole, whole lot more about how because there's there are a lot of different variables here. If he's just delivering this thing, if a, if a guy, if his friend calls him and says, "Hey, listen, get me that bag. I, I got my piece in there. I got my gun in there. Get me that bag because I'm going somewhere later, and I just want to make sure I'm safe and that no one bothers me. I just feel more secure if I have it. That's one thing. And if he say, hey, bring me that bag because I'm going to shoot somebody in two minutes, that's different. So there's a whole exactly. lot of variables there. You know yeah. what I mean? Plus, you're I in know. a state where it's everybody carries a gun. I get yeah. a gun. You get a gun. You know, I would <clears> hope <throat> I would hope that um, he knows he's a top five draft pick. He's going to be a millionaire. He's going to play basketball for the next 20 years, at least mm -hmm. that he didn't knowingly assist in a murder. That's all I'll say. Right. And I don't think he did. I don't yep. think he did. But anyway, that's the show today. Um, Eagles defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator were hired for head coaching position. So that's exciting, Joe. So we'll talk about that maybe next episode. Mm -hmm. Um, the floor is yours, sir. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. Good night. Take care.